everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Eliza Kelly, and I am beyond thrilled to be talking for the very first time to Marin Altman. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Like Karen was Okay, name, you're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I just realized that I usually go over pronunciation because I butcher <laughs> everything in sight. But we did it, and this is great, because you are also a Capricorn rising, so you're not fucking around. No. You're a moon in Virgo, so you care about pronunciation, just like me. And you're a, or you're a sun in Virgo, yeah. and you're a moon in Libra. <laughs> yep. So it is so lovely to meet you. I'm going to say that one more time, because we don't want to get it wrong. You are a rising in Capricorn, a sun in Virgo and a moon in Libra, and I am so excited to connect with you. <laughs> Very excited to connect with you as well, a fellow uh, Capricorn rising boss here. So what is the degree of your Capricorn rising, and how much does it suck? 19 degrees Capricorn rising. What about you? Where's your, what degrees? I'm 12 degrees Capricorn 12? rising. Okay, so yeah. you got hit a little earlier, and then I, I came around. Um, I actually love it. Um, because I feel like we can, at least for the time being, always play the upper hand on having a, a more absurd 2020 experience than any other, any other rising sign. So I, I like the bragging rights personally and Neptune on yeah. the ascendant means I don't really even know who I am. So it's a bit, it's a bit different than other Capricorn rising. So you had Pluto cross your ascendant pretty recently. Yeah. 2017 to 2019 at the very end of the year was when it cleared, when it was, when it three degree orb. And, um, I was in the lucky somehow pattern that got hit four times back and forth that somehow, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny growing up with astrology because I remember telling my parents at a young age, I don't know how I'm going to survive 19 to 21. And then, um, it came and I survived, but in a sense it was like a death and rebirth cliche, but yeah. So how did, what is the Pluto crossing your ascendant death and rebirth story look like for you? It started in 2017 when for the first time in my entire life, I looked in the mirror and was like, I feel gross in my body. Like I had never dealt with that. I had never understood body image issues or anything like that. And then all of a sudden Pluto on my son, it was like, I don't like my golden blonde hair. Like I don't like, I didn't something, I didn't like my body. All of a sudden I was like, I'm going to drastically change the way that I want to look. And wow, on, one, wow. yeah, on one hand, I did find a kind of aesthetic that I think that I always liked. I remember telling people I loved dark hair. Um, yet I, growing up in Texas, I was praised for having like golden blonde, wavy hair, brown blonde. So that was like reinforced me not to necessarily do my thing. Um, and then because I was becoming more myself, I lost basically every relationship from high school as I went into college, coincided with massive obsessive compulsive eating disorder where I was like obsessed with measuring things and it being perfect. And even though I was physically fine, basically my mental health was like absurd because I was obsessed with the perfection of what I was doing, being like, oh, then you're, you're perfect because of this. That was the first hit of Pluto over my ascendant was just physical. Like I'd never looked at that before, um, realizing I didn't want to look like that. And the second was actually getting a nose job. Very, very literal again, physically. I had wanted one for my whole life. Um, not for any specific reason other than I didn't feel like I fit my nose. I never got bullied for it. It was just slightly more deviated and round than it is now. I went in for the aesthetic reasons. They told me I wasn't breathing. I had a deviated septum. So insurance covered like half of it because I couldn't Oh, breathe. wow, that's so, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, the third hit was me deciding that I was like, I'm done like obsessing over my body and whatnot. Like I have to grow up. Like this is, this is, this is not working. Like that was like a year later. And that was when I started like, I guess doing like, I went to psychotherapy and started getting my, my priorities straight again. And then the fourth hit was the death of my grandmother, who was my only woman in the family, basically. And she was a Holocaust survivor. And so that was like a transformation of me as the oldest woman on my dad's side of the family, which was like a, even though her passing was not super traumatic, it was expected. It was like a very regenerative experience. So that was my, my four, four hits of Pluto on the Ascendant. Wow. Wow. So looking back at those four distinctive moments that you had and those 
these transformational um, events. Do you feel on the other side of it like you are more yourself? Do you feel like it was like Pluto was guiding you to the truth? Or do you feel like Pluto was also creating problems? (laughs) It was bringing up the muck that needed to be dealt with in order to it's like being in an apartment and taking all of the laminate off of the floor because there's beautiful hardwood floor underneath, but there's a bunch of gross shit all over the hardwood floor. So it's like peeling back the bullshit to see the purity that is very muddied and then cleaning that off. So it was bringing up what needed to be brought up, but there were a lot of like leeches and uh, entanglements in that so that through the process of dealing with the issues there was a reason that I was willing to do that. And I was no longer willing to inadvertently play a role or um, just subconsciously feed into what I was expected. It was very much that I was with that. And then having Saturn and Jupiter, you know, join it this past year pretty closely by degree. It was kind of like, you're going to do all of life lessons in a microcosm and then hopefully chill out for the rest of your life in that way. So I was like, bring it on. (laughs) So, so a lot of the work that you do now, and we'll talk more about the success that you've experienced, um, really, I mean, so Capricorn rising style, just like catapulted. Um, but obviously, you know, a lot of this has been, has come through TikTok and you have such a distinctive aesthetic on TikTok. And obviously you also are, you know, you wear very salacious and scandalous clothes and you are not hiding your body. You know, you, that's part of like, that's part of you as an astrologer today. But I know that something that you also have talked about on Twitter and I think even on TikTok is the amount of uh, trolling that you get and some really nasty, horrible comments about the way that you look, your body. How do you reconcile that with having gone through eating disorders and being so sensitive about your appearance? Yeah, a lot of it is baffling because... I don't like, it's just funny because if my body is taken in a certain way, it's just strange to see because I actually grew up with my mom having a lot of naked photos of her around the house. Like she was a model and as she got older, it somehow became more like lingerie based. And that's so Libra moon. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, she was a triple Gemini. <laughs> so she was like very, yeah, all over yeah, the place yeah. with that. But she, I grew up around that and I was very embarrassed by it because people like weren't allowed over to my house. And I started to realize it as I got into high school and later in college that I'm mostly asexual, but I really love like the human body as an art form. So I never understood the grossness or the issue. And it was weird with my mom. Like, I didn't want to see that, but I was like, why is this a moral issue? Like, why is that? I, I still to this day can't really relate to that being triggered as like something that's problematic. It's just kind of like, it's cute. Like people, some, sometimes people look really cute with a lot of clothes. Sometimes like I'm in a hoodie. That's cute. Sometimes not like, I, it's just kind of, I, and that baffles me. Um, with the commentary on my body, I'm actually not that sensitive to that kind of criticism. Cause it's like, what, what do you want me to do? Like, do you do like, uh, I, I, I don't have an answer to that. Um, I do get comments that are usually just body shaming from a place of not having a a degree in psychology and therefore they don't understand saying that someone's anorexic doesn't make sense because that's a medical condition that's not like inadvertently something it's just strange um and i'm kind of like well i mean uh thank you for your uh time your engagement that's not the kind of comments that get to me the kind of comments that do get to me are that the 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 ones that hit the ego and the intelligence that that will make me you know come out but Yeah, I'm with you on I'm with you on that. I mean, I (laughs) would say that as a Capricorn rising, one of the most painful things that someone has ever said to me was when I was in college. And it was a really good friend of mine. And she because my whole and I think what started my compulsive workaholism was realizing that I could do everything. Right. And I could like graduate with honors and I could go to every single party I wanted to and I could do all of that but also like part of my part of my weird Pluto Scorpio conjunct midheaven was like and I'm not going to tell anybody about it like I'm going to live like so many different double lives so I went out and I had a very active social life but 
after the party was over, I went straight to the library and I did all my work. But I didn't like, I wasn't like, I hate teacher's pets. I hate know-it-all. So I didn't really like advertise it. But a good friend of mine said that she saw me as not a studious person and as more of like a social person. And still to this day, I mean, I it is like kills me. It truly destroyed me because being intelligent, being studious, being hardworking are like you know, offend my Leo sun, I, fine. Offend yeah. my rising, and I am Leo destroyed. Stellium, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I am destroyed. Yeah. Not when Pluto, that was when Pluto was in my 12th house. Pluto yeah. crossed my ascendant when I was in my early 20s. But it was, uh, it definitely, I think, create and laid the foundation for what then would become workaholism, yeah. which is something that I very much struggle with and I think is very much a disorder. (laughs) I agree. I agree. The workaholism, it's, I'd always similarly been someone who's like, I can do everything. Um, To me, it wasn't as much socializing. Maybe that's just because I'm just hyper introverted. And I, I, I went to, at NYU, it was like socializing. I mean, I'm in the city, like, like there was just no organization, but once I started to be able to have more time on my hands, like in college and whatnot, I realized that I would fill every spare minute with every, the amount of like, I, my work would expand to fill every aspect of my life. And to this day, it's just ridiculous. And like, that's the current dilemma right now is that it's unsustainable energetically and that that's things are no longer enjoyable when I'm, you know, pushing myself to my limit, but it's very much a Capricorn rising thing. It's a real Capricorn rising dilemma. I do not have any legitimate or good advice or answers or suggestions. I I am also very much trying to figure it out because I just talk myself in circles with it. And at the end of the day, I wind up with the same problem that I wake up with. So I'm with you. When you find out how to deal with it, please hit me up and maybe it will finally be the key to figuring out my own biggest compulsion actively in my life right now. I energetically when I when I do like meditation or deep deep inquiry about this it's like when I get to this point I'll chill it has gotten to the point of like when I run an intergalactic confederacy of of galaxies that's when maybe I'll chill when I'm at that point of rulership that might be a sun north node regulus thing though of like you will that will happen because it's just it's just it's just ridiculous like never never ending well I'm I'll be there with you dying struggling yeah. celebrating potentially hopefully i mean yeah. maybe if we have time for right, it right right schedule it in <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll look at the calendars and see so now pivoting over to astrology how did you begin your journey with astrology and i know that you practice um whole sign astrology and traditional astrology right how did that journey begin and how did you find that modality and and stick with it I landed upon astrology very coincidentally very early on because everyone in my family started reading super early, like two, three. It was um, something that when my parents saw me reading, they gave me newspapers and the horoscopes were next to the comics that they thought I would want. To this day, I'm not a visual learner or person, so I didn't care about the comics. I started reading the text and that was the horoscope section. And I didn't know what I was reading, but the words stuck with me. So growing up on the internet, I remember finding Cafe Astrology when I was like six and talking to my mom about it and her giving me my birth time and me pulling up a chart. And I grew up in my adolescence half are actually very, very skeptical and very curious. I'm still an entire skeptic and an entire, I'm, I'm always asking questions. And I was partially skeptical and that made me keep studying astrology because I knew something was off. So eight years later, I'm 14 and I get the correct birth time from my dad. My mom had given me my sister's birth time. So I knew something was off as I got older and I obviously did not have a Libra rising. Um, I just knew there was no, I grew up with both siblings being double Libras. There was no way that that was like, that was not me. And as I entered high school and I had the correct birth time and I had started being the astrology friend, like I was, you know, in high school, not only being paid to drive people to parties because I didn't drink. I was, I got paid with 
my fake ID to buy for people. I was, it was an entrepreneurial business. Um, I, I didn't drink myself, but I would take a premium from people that paid me to like buy alcohol. So that was part of my business. And so was like at these parties, I would start charging for readings. Drunk high school kids would pay like $50 for a conversation at the ridiculous, yeah, conservative community I grew up in in Texas. And I, in high school, also started to realize I loved philosophy and ethics. I was in the middle of being an actor my whole life, but my favorite class was ethics class in my like world religions path. And that was kind of weird. I was like, why do I enjoy this class so much? So that led me to study philosophy. And once I came to NYU for acting, first semester, I have to take a required elective. It's a philosophy class. I do a 180 once I start reading these texts. And even in high school, I had started to find weird online forums of people that were like interested in Project Hindsight and some of the translations where I soon grew tired as I entered my teen years of like Linda Goodman or like more woo astrology, I found it unsustainable for my interest. Um, so even though at first my interest was psychological and I do have a background in that, in astrology, I found that the philosophical and like starting to study the past was a bit more investigative or like richer for my interest. And so as I entered college and I was committing to philosophy, I already had a few years familiarity of the bits and pieces of things like Chris Brennan's work and um, Robert Hand and some of the translation efforts. And so once I got academic backing in philosophy throughout the years, I realized that what I was studying was traditional astrology. And then once that community really blossomed, it was that was uh, especially because I have an interest in mundane astrology. It just really fell in line with what I find the most sustainable for my interests and um, the kind of practice that supports a lot of different interests in my life. That's awesome. So yeah. it was something where it was like you, the, as you continued to research and study, it was Hellenistic and traditional astrology yeah. presented itself as like the, this sort of never ending resource of being able to apply the philosophy and the ethics and like those, those interests aligned with the principles. Yeah, because I was interested in Stoic philosophy and then realizing like, oh my God, everything I've been reading for the past few years with Hellenistic forums on like fucking Skyscript, co.uk, whatever I was on, <laughs> I just started putting it all together and it was definitely an awakening. That was actually Pluto on my ascendant as well, was realizing that I knew that what I was studying in astrology was no longer like the secret language of birthdays that I'd grown up with because I no longer... There was a point where my studies were no longer party friendly because I was no longer interested in speaking about like this is, let me talk about like your mother and your trauma. It was like philosophical advice and like no one wanted to hear that. And so it very much came together in um, a very sustainable, that's why I like to describe it as sustainable because it wasn't like excitement of like, this is so cool. It was like, this is in every aspect of my life, just as me. So how did then TikTok fold into this story? This past spring, the week before spring break. So it was my last semester of undergrad and I was on a retreat with um, my good friend who runs the Your Own Magic podcast. She um, she hosted a retreat in Sedona and it was the week before my official spring break. So I'm like, I'll leave school a week early. Like, it's fine. I'll make it up when I get back. Well, COVID hits spring break onward. We don't have school. So like I suddenly it was a it was a shock because I would, knew I would never return to a physical class. Um, and I had left earlier than everyone. So it was just a weird thing. But someone in Sedona was like, you know, you should get on TikTok. Like you doing you would be so funny. And I thought it was just dances. So I downloaded it, but didn't think much of it. And then I did one video that was like, as a joke, why I hate your Zodiac sign. And because I didn't have an audience, it sent it out to the basic TikTok audience, which is eight-year-olds. Eight-year-olds don't know satire. So my comments are people being like, I'm crying. Like I'm getting my mom. Like I hate you. Blew me up. <laughs> I mean, blew me up. Like I had 800,000 views in like two days. Um, it was just very, very quickly. I went, whoa, like I've never had traction. On, I never had traction on social media. I mean, I had like a thousand Instagram followers. They were just, I didn't know how to grow organically because I was still doing me, but no one was seeing it. And eventually that just led me to posting what I cared more about, which like occasionally I still have funny things to talk about. Occasionally I'll, I'll jump on a trend and it's funny, but knowing that I had actually developed a lot of backend data on politicians and like had 
Trump's chart and some other politicians charts, just like I've been working with them for a while. It was like, oh, my God, I can talk about the election and we'll see how this lands. And those blew up. And it was a reinforcement of like what I'm excited about actually gets me like the most exposure. And so it was a really positive reinforcement um, where haters did continue to make me famous because like conservative trumpets would blow me up. And then Ben Shapiro retweeted me and a couple senators were like, who is this? And Andrew Yang now follows me. So um, it's been an interesting wild ride, but apparently there's a market. Yeah. So what do you think is going to like, how do you think that TikTok and politics and the collective consciousness are going to continue forward? I think that now, in partially due to 2020, people's conception of the world is shattering. And they're now seeing that. Um, in fact, I think I've had a, a big influence with my audience on this is that, yeah, I'm not saying that the astrology is making anything happen. It's like a, the clock on the wall telling us what time it is, but not making it 4 p.m. So once people realize that it's not a causatory mechanism, there's no mechanism at all. People can like sit back and not feel so defensive that they're like, OK, she's looking at patterns like she's not claiming that there's a ray shooting down from Saturn that's suddenly pulling a stick up our ass like. It's it's not like that. And I think that that's allowing people to gain more open mindedness to divergent thought that it doesn't mean that someone's a nut job just because they are thinking in a way that you're not used to. It might be that you don't even understand the conclusion that's led them there. Um, and I like seeing that TikTok has just provided organic reach because the algorithm does not favor you based on followers. It pushes your content out regardless. And that allows for so many more people in terms of identity or interest to gain exposure than ever, ever before. So do you think that TikTok as a platform is going to continue in the capacity that it is? I mean, not just TikTok, but just social media in general. I'm, I have found myself thinking a lot about social mm -hmm. media with us moving into Aquarius energy, yeah. especially with all of the squares coming to right. Uranus. I don't, I'm, I'm just not so sure about any of it. Yeah. I think that I was just doing some research on this, but with the Saturn return of the internet happening, like the internet's chart, literally going through its Saturn return in its third house of communication and media, there's going to be regulation set without a doubt. And I think that we're already seeing I know on TikTok, it's turned into a bunch of ads where like months ago, it was like Instagram in 2012, where there were no ads and it was just like people. And now there's a bunch of ads. So I do see the age of the influencer and the corporation doing like, I know for me, ads that I do for brands, it's very like supposed to be organic and like it's me in a hoodie, like I'm supposed to sneak it in there. So it's kind of like the humanization the Aquarian humanization of uh, the technology. And so I see it as the Saturn return, like the internet's kind of getting what it, what, what it needs to, some regulations and social media companies being held accountable. Um, and I think the squares from Uranus are that, that urge to either sit back to what we're used to with Saturn there or like radically, you know, anarchy, let it all, let it all bear out with Uranus and that there'll be this push-pull I see it even more politically, just I think that split, there'll be some amount of split government, no matter how the Senate goes. And so there'll be this like conservative, progressive, like extreme pull with that. I, I really hope that we can, politically speaking, I hope that we can use this as an opportunity to introduce a multi-party system that isn't just a binary right. two-party system in the United right. States. I think that that would be, we would be doing Saturn and Jupiter <laughs> in Aquarius, just such a wonderful service if we could start doing that now ahead of the Pluto return, um, when it's not going to be a choice <laughs> and it's just going to be like, you have to change your government or the government just is done. Dunzos. Um, I think it would be so fabulous if we could do that in a more gentle way, also using innovation and technology and, you know, our internet and all of the abilities that we have there to do so. Yeah. However, I feel, you know, Uranus is not very happy. I mean, do you work with Uranus? I work with all the outer planets. Well, yeah. So Uranus is not very happy in Taurus. Right. <laughs> Saturn, happy in Aquarius. Jupiter sort of weirded out in Aquarius. <laughs> but 
Uranus is definitely like yeah. struggling in Taurus yeah. because it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, when we look at all of the, cause it's, we only have one Jupiter Uranus square and then we right. have three Saturn, three. Saturn Uranus squares yeah. throughout 2021. Yeah. And I feel like it really is going to be like a, I feel like Mark Zuckerberg as sort of the archetype of Taurus <laughs> um, is definitely going to be going through a lot of regulation yeah. and restriction. And then that is going to have uh, a ripple effect on all of the different social media that we have. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And it's funny that you bring up Mark Zuckerberg because he has Uranus going over his midheaven throughout the next few years. Um, so that's literally like happening. What is his What is his chart? What is his rising and moon? I don't remember his moon, but he's a Virgo rising. Um, I use him a lot as a good example of a Virgo rising male appearance because he looks like like Virgo rising men look like little alien doll babies with like their high forehead and like the, they look kind of like that. Yeah. So he's a, he, and I know he is as, I believe he is as midheaven in Taurus. And so it's approaching and I've been looking at that like interestingly because definitely time for some Saturn return growing up for the internet. I mean, it has Saturn in its own sign. It's a day chart. So it's not going to, it's not going to die, but needs, needs to buckle up. So I love rising signs and you are offering a course on rising signs that I would love to learn more about and for our listeners to learn about so that they can enroll. Can you tell us a little bit about the course and and what you're going to be talking about? Yeah. So my course is called rise into yourself and there's one for each rising sign that we've created. And because my other courses are more extensive and more substantial, we wanted to create some entry more introductory level courses. And because the rising sign sets up the sequence of the houses, not that it's the most important, but that it's domino one of all the rest of the dominoes, understanding how the rising sign sets up the life kind of allows you to rise into yourself. So there's 12 versions of this course, one for each rising sign, and it goes through the sign and house pairings for each rising sign, the whole sign first through 12th house, um, as to what kind of energy and events you can rise into and be aware of as a guide to the backbone of your life. I love that. That is awesome. That's so cool. So you made 12 unique courses for each rising sign? Yeah, one for each rising sign. Um, See, this is this is the problem. This is the Capricorn rising issue. This is this is if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, and that's on top of like, yeah, all the I make twelve monthly videos on YouTube plus six videos that aren't just horoscopes for YouTube. So it's a lot of videos, um, which is probably why I can do TikTok like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How would you? Because oftentimes I remember when I was in my early days of absorbing astrology content. And still now I hear people say, rising is the mask you wear in public. And I just think that it's dumb, dumb. So (laughs) what would you, how would you describe the rising sign? So I like to see it as it is the first house, which is you in the chart of your life. So The difference between like the rising sign or the sun or moon is that the rising sign is literally like an area of life. So it's a part of your life that deals with your identity, your body, your vitality. It is what we look for for you in the chart of your life. So rising sign is an area of life in your life that is you. And then sun and moon are energies that can fall into an area of life. But sun and moon aren't areas of life, whereas the rising sign, that's you. Yeah, I remember like... um when I was trying to, because I also had a similar, and I think a lot of Capricorn Risings find out the hard way that they're Capricorn Risings. (laughs) I also had the incorrect birth time. No fault of anyone but myself for mixing up AM and PM. Mm. I gave myself 528 AM. Cancer Rising I was a Leo Rising. I was a Leo Sun, Leo Rising. And because I'm a Leo Sun, I was like, okay, no problem. That's fine. I'll do it. Um, I was, at that time, I was really mostly you know, stuck on my Pisces moon anyway, and like using that to make sense of everything that I had (laughs) not been able to make sense of. But lo and behold, I find out that I was born at 528 p.m. and 517 for me. Wait, wait, no, I think I'm 527. That's my exact birth time. Wait. Yeah, 527 is my exact birth time. 
p.m. Yeah, yeah, in Houston, oh, Texas. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. We have to look at our charts side by side. That is so cool. Yeah. And you're also born, where are you? You're in, are you in August or September, Virgo? August 24th, one degree Virgo. August 18th. So our charts probably have very similar structures yeah. because yeah. we were born at similar times of day, at similar, in the same hemisphere, <laughs> at similar yeah. times of year. <laughs> So yeah. very cool. Yeah. So 528 PM Capricorn rising. And when I found out I was a Capricorn rising, I cried. I literally was crying, hysterical. I was texting my friends. They were like, I'm so sorry. So sorry to hear this news. Like RIP Leo rising, Aliza. But it was also as soon as I got the Capricorn rising information, everything just yeah. made so much more sense. It yeah. like all checked out and suddenly it was like, because I, you know, famously wear all black like you, I'm starting to incorporate a little bit more color in the mix, but by and large, yeah. it's, it's an all black wardrobe. Yeah. When I was a Leo sun, Leo rising, it was like, is it because of the drama? But then the Capricorn rising came through and it was like, no bitch, it's because you're Capricorn rising. Yeah. The Leo is the reason that you have gold earrings on. Like that <laughs> is why that was that. Yeah. And then it was also like, but this is so hard. And then it was like, yeah, but my life is so hard. Like, yeah. duh. Like, this makes so much more sense than trying to put this easy life, you know, but then put this sort of easier story into something that has been a very challenging right. journey. So then I yeah. felt really affirmed in my Capricorn rising. And over the years, and Pluto crossing my Capricorn rising yeah. is part of this journey for me as well. My rising sign has become something that... I don't necessarily feel in the same way I feel my moon or I feel my sun, but I know is the foundation and the framework yeah, for everything yeah. else. Right. So I know that when people say like, oh, you're intimidating or, oh, <laughs> you are saying something so you're so intense or something, it's yeah. like, that's because they're in encountering my Capricorn rising, right. but not because it's like, I'm doing a Capricorn rising thing. It's just because that's what the landscape looks like. Yeah, totally. It's like the everything else will have that bow on it. And like, it's not a mask because it's not an outer coating, but it's the it's the like integrity of the rest of the things. Exactly. Um, yes. I would yeah. say it's probably the antithesis of a mask. I would say that right. it's like the structure, but right. this is also Capricorn rising. It's the bones. So it's the foundation. Yeah. yeah. Where is, um, where's your Saturn? 12th house. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because what made sense for me when I got the correct birth time was Saturn on the IC. Cause when I had a Libra rising, it put my moon in the 12th and I, with, um, a Virgo moon at the end. Cause I have a, I have a very early degree Libra moon. So like 12 hours earlier was a Virgo moon. And I remember being like, bitch, I do not have a 12th house moon. Like I'm not a 12th house person. It was very strange. Just, yeah, no. Um, but Saturn on the IC, like ruling, my ascendant was like that. That's the childhood right there. Yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I luckily I was, it was still early enough in my astrological journey that I had not become, I was not too familiar with where the placements were mm. when I had, I guess I would have had a lot of first house stuff. Mm. Should I, because most of my personal planets are in Virgo and Libra. Yeah. So I guess it would have moved me from having an eighth house stellium to a first house stellium, but I'm an eighth house stellium through and through. So this is also one of the things that come, I continue to come back to. And when I had Chris Brennan on the show, I was really, yeah. <laughs> I, it was, it was a delightful conversation yeah. and being like, I, res I love whole sign. I respect it so much. I respect Hellenistic astrology, but I have a Placidus fucking chart. And like, when I put my chart in whole sign, it just does some things that I don't connect to. And it might be the fact that I, you know, grew up with it that way. So I have created these associations that I, I, I stand by and I feel really adamant about. But because I have this insane eighth house that is intercepted and is like 50 fucking degrees wide, it's like it moves all of the stuff into other places and suddenly it's like, I have a Venus in the ninth house. Like, yeah, I fucking would love to have a Venus in the ninth house. But sadly, for all of my past sexual trauma, it's clearly a Venus in the eighth house. You know, there's no way around it. Have you looked at your chart in Placidus 
Does it look different? Like, how do you reconcile the different house systems? Yeah, I similarly grew up doing a default Placidus, playing around with, you know, Coke or Porphyry for like, yeah, a good decade or so. And I'm, I was used to seeing it like that just by default for years. It moves almost all of my placements over where I, it gives me a seventh house stellium, which uh, I don't like to ever use my relatability as a justification in astrology that I don't use like my personal experience or that of others as why I use house systems. So even in learning about, because I did have like an identity crisis when I was 14 and I was like, oh my gosh, I have a different chart. So I feel like that allowed me to see that I was looking at a study, not something that I would base off of my own experience. So I don't try to reconcile house systems. I look at them for what they were created for and apply them like that with the open-mindedness that others might not be in the same conclusion. So I use whole signs as basic for as the basic layout for a chart. And then if I want to look at timing, I'll overlay um, usually porphyry if I want to look at specific timing of house cusps. But I, yeah, I think that similar to zodiacs, I don't try to reconcile them. I try to understand when they're applied because maybe it's having a kind of chart that is different than the typical Libra moon's chart. But I don't, I've said before that like balance is bullshit. Like I'm not looking to find a middle ground. I'm looking to find what the optimal ground is. So to me, that is um, the baseline of 12 houses lining with 12 signs and then using the um, more space time quadrant house systems for the timing that was laid on top. But I am um, also just don't, I don't think too much about relating to the chart as much as letting it, because I don't, since I'm not doing psychological astrology, I'm looking more at the timing of life events um, and like the transits and whatnot, which um, using what I've used have worked. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I, I wouldn't say I'm reconciling, but I'm applying in categorical sense that I find the astronomical rationale makes sense for. Yeah. That, make, that makes total sense yeah. to me. I mean, there are certain techniques that you just cannot do with, you know, you're, you, it, you can't use the traditional Hellenistic techniques right. on a Placidus chart. You just, right. it just right. doesn't make sense. Right. It doesn't, does not align. Yeah. Will not work. So yes, if you're using very specific techniques and you are especially looking at timing and all of the right. very magical things that come from that. Of course, right. you're not so much looking at like, what does it mean for me emotionally, right. psychologically, spiritually to have this eighth house stellium or to have a seventh house stellium or to bring it to the ninth, because it's more about like when it gets triggered in terms of the timing techniques. Right. 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 And it was funny actually, because I growing up in like the woo new age astrology, like deep, deep into new age, um, having it, it put my Leo stellium in the seventh, but then I still had a sun north node regulus in the eighth. Um, and that was very, you know, like you're hypersexual and things like that. And I'm like, that's a little weird. Um, and then finding traditional astrology, still, you know, having a prominent eighth house because it moves all my Leo planets there, uh, but realizing that that's finance. And then I find a finance book and suddenly I'm obsessed. That made a lot of sense. But it is notable because, I mean, Personally, I can't relate to a seventh house stellium. But then again, I looking at the chart, I understand I'm so young and hasn't been activated that um, I'm very open to being proved wrong. But like the eighth house, I was like, how the fuck is it? Like, what? I didn't I didn't understand that until until, you know, the past two years, probably. Yeah, I, I would say that, like, especially with the, you know, having I have such a fucked up chart. I have such a I have such a horrendous birth chart um, by any sort of technical like you know, any old book in astrology that I would get, I would look up my placements and it would be like, <laughs> you're going to die. Everyone you love is dead. You're drowning. You're burning <laughs> in a fire. You're getting eaten by an animal. Like it was, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. one, it was like, duh, this has already happened a million times. Yeah. But like the other thing was that it was really scary. You know, yeah. it was like very terrifying yeah. to have to figure out like, how am I supposed to read about these things and have them and like coexist with this. So I yeah. feel like so much of my practice early on became, how do I take these things that are really scary and confront them, find yeah. the kernels of wisdom and truth, and then make them more, you know, make, make them livable, you right. know? 
And that was so much of a Placidus experience for me because that was so much of the interceptions. And I'm thinking about like those, these secret areas of the chart. I'm also thinking so much about draconic Mm. charts right now. Mm. I just cannot even with them. They're just so fascinating. But thinking about like all of these layers and these stories, you know, compounded into these areas and like, how do you take this ridiculous chart and like make it something beautiful became the sort of protocol that I had when I started working with people where if somebody came through with a fucking 12th house stellium, I'm like, great, you know, (laughs) terrific. Let's get to work rather than probably what they had been reading, which was like (laughs) undoing, you're undoing yourself, you're destroying yourself (laughs) constantly. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I similarly started with I did like mentoring with Mark Jones early on and like very, very psychological based. And thankfully, my like academic training allows me to have decent consulting skills because there's always an amount of like it's always a consulting session, like regardless and giving myself permission now to translate more into life guidance, kind of like not that I give specific financial advice, like people come to me about like the literal like. I've said pretty openly, I can't answer questions about past lives. I can't answer questions about like twin flame or soulmate because I don't really understand those concepts. But what I do understand is giving really specific advice about life events and timing techniques. So there are so many different ways to apply astrology that it does validate many different approaches because like I don't use secondary progressions. I'm not looking at the interiority of your progression as a self. I'm looking at when's your when's your next perfection here and is this a positive time for a certain area of life? So um, there's definitely many different uses because it's all calculation-based that um, that's going to have a different rationale behind it. Yeah, I I think that it's so interesting that, because I'm, I'm assuming that you have a Pluto in Sagittarius, right? Yeah. I think that it's so interesting how the Pluto and Sagittarius astrologers have really connected to the traditional techniques <laughs> yeah. and to whole sign. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so philosophical. It's so exploratory. It's like study, research, 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 research. Whereas like the Pluto Scorpio people are like my wounds, my pain, like (laughs) everything hurts, like explain this. And then of course the Pluto Libra people are like, guys, keep it down. Like everyone chill out. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone chill out. We're looking at evolutionary astrology. Yeah. 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 And I think that it's going to be, I mean, I keep thinking about this next generation of Pluto babies, the Pluto Capricorn babies. What are they going to be like? Little, little, little generals and lieutenants. Or like the craziest anarchists ever. I would say it's like most extreme. They're either, they're radical, you know, they're radical one way or the other. They are the most severe, um, conservatives or they are <laughs> just like ripping down every single institutional thing that's ever existed with saturn pluto there i would lean more towards the conservative end because that's like just textbook like totalitarian honestly so many of our politicians not because of their age even you can look back to the 90s to today so many politicians were born 46 to 48 uh, Trump, Bush, Clinton. Um, there's so many politicians that have been prominently in power were born during the Sato Pluto conjunction in Leo, disproportionately out of any other 20, like that three year period. And knowing that we just had Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter and the South know there for a little while has me very, very open minded to, or very, very on alert to any prominent births within the past year or prominent nations formed because. Like um, Israel, North Korea, South Korea, India, all of these countries that have struggled with power struggle and like totalitarianism were started under the last Saturn-Pluto conjunction. So my eyes are very, very peeled open to any nations or rulers of these nations that could have been born in the past year that could be just, and then I'm like eyes open um, to that. Yeah, that is very fascinating. I just... I, when I was in college, I studied art history and studio art, and I recently found my, the DVD, but I don't have a fucking DVD player, of (laughs) my thesis, and it was on neoconservative postmodernism, and it was before I was an astrologer, but I was fascinated by the early 80s and this sort of, like, disgusting, 
Julian Schnabel return to representation of like sort of the paradigm of luxury. Yeah. Fast forward to me being an astrologer and it's like, bam, there's your Saturn-Pluto conjunction right there with your building of neoconservatism right. that we have then here. And like so much of where we have found ourselves today was built out of these Saturn and Pluto right. milestones throughout the 20th century. Um, but I just watched this Showtime documentary called The Reagans and I highly recommend it. It was, it was very interesting. Do they, do they bring up Nancy Reagan and Joan Quigley at all? They talk about Nancy a lot. They allude to her spirituality. I was so fucking ready for Joan. I was like literally salivating, could not wait. And they just don't talk about it. It just doesn't come up. It's so sad. Oh, Joan, wow. another another missed opportunity for Joan. Yeah, yeah, deserves deserves the credit, but you know, maybe 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 someday there'll there'll be a documentary, and I'll I'll be a footnote mentioned for giving guidance. <laughs> <laughs> so so, what are your plans for world domination? Um, my plans for world domination. Firstly, I need to convince people that I do have feelings and that I am concerned for their well-being because I think I've been giving a little too many hints um, that I do want to dominate the world. So the first step would be to backtrack, to um, present myself as, you know, uh, get inspiration from my many cancer friends. Maybe, you know, say that I, I love Hashtag everyone. relatable. Yeah. <laughs> so relatable. <laughs> right. Like, you know, d- d- document some self-care that I don't ever do. That's the first step. In, in like total like seriousness of some things that I do when I do is just continue on doing like political and event type research because that's what I find fascinating. And I think seeing that a lot of my like plans for business and whatnot come out of my ability to create like that then brings in the opportunities and whatnot. My focus right now is honing in my zone of genius and my creativity because it's when I feel aligned and it's when I'm not forcing myself to make content. It's when that just comes and that's interesting that things blow up and things work very, very well in my favor. Um, that's kind of the, yeah, definitely my ascendant ruler of Saturn in the fifth is like just slow and steady your creativity. Like when it comes, it comes, you cannot force Saturn and Taurus to, um, pump things out that are not aligned. So my world domination. Are you Saturn and Taurus? Saturn and early oh Taurus. Oh my God, you're six years old. That is so crazy. <laughs> I even have, feel, yeah. Yeah. We have, oh my God, you haven't even had your Saturn square yet. I'm kind of going through it, but technically I was born with Saturn retrograde. So I was five months old when Saturn returned and went direct over three degrees again. So technically I am a tried and true Saturn return. I have already grown up. Um, and, but yeah, even saying that I have Saturn and Taurus, I don't want to say it's embarrassing, but it's like my spotlight is so far away. I just don't even want to be recognized. Like it's, it's not my time yet. I just, I can't, I can't, I, that just like literally popped my brain out of my head because I feel like when I, which is so graphic, I'm so sorry. But (laughs) when I talk to my clients who have like Saturn and Aries, I'm like, baby, like call me in a year, like, like call me in three years, like take your time. I don't even have clients my age usually. The oldest, the youngest clients I generally have are Saturn and Aries. Now, obviously, it's a lot of Saturn and Aquarius because they feel called the Saturn return, which that period of babies born like 91, they have so many planets in dignity. I got out very, very, very luckily because had I been born like a month earlier or later, there's an insane amount of planets in their fall and their eggs, like they're the 98 period had a lot of difficult planets and I'm in like this one month stretch where basically no planet has any dignity, but they don't have any debility either. Is so that, were you born in 1998? I was born in 98, um, Jupiter and Pisces. Oh that's the one, the one saving grace. Not really touching My anything. little sister was born in 98 too. Maybe mm-hmm. you can, maybe you could be a portal into <laughs> understanding her chart more and yeah. her more as a energy. Um, yeah. It's such a, it's like, not a proper generation because generations are 20 years, but it feels like I, we live in completely different universes. All my si- my siblings are between 10 to 18 years older than me. Um, my older oh, ones. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I grew up with like getting their hand-me-downs of the 90s, which was a weird thing because seeing them, you know, I don't know, live in like the early 90s still when I was kind of, you know, early 2000s kid. Uh, put me in an interesting place, but I feel, I feel I'm stepping into a lot of what my birth chart holds now because there's a Saturn Uranus square of Uranus in, 
in Aquarius, Saturn, and Taurus that's now being flipped, which is very, very interesting. Very cool. That yeah. is very interesting. Yeah. Um, that is very, very interesting. Yeah. Jupiter Saturn conjunction is happening on my natal Uranus in the second, basically. So that'll be very interesting. Yeah. So my wish for you is that you have longevity for your career. Yeah. And I want you to have the longest, most sustainable mm-hmm. and healthiest and most prosperous career that you possibly can have. And I want you to transcend all of the social media and to bring us into a whole new universe that you will be creating. (laughs) That is what I want. That is my wish for you. And I hope that you like my wish for you. Yeah, I fully accept that wish. And I feel it. I feel the the social media launch pad for something much greater. Something. Yeah, we're, we're, we're at square one now, but I fully greatly appreciate and similarly send very sustainable world domination as my wish back to you. <laughs> Thank you. I will my my Pluto Scorpio Midheaven accepts it. It puts it in it buries it under the ground. It puts it into its weird <laughs> strange behavior compulsive yeah. things. It's perfect. Well, Marin, it is so lovely to talk to you. I'm so happy to connect with you. I'm such a fan of your work. I think you're doing just such amazing stuff. I think you're so smart and so talented and I really, you know, in the past six months to see your star rise and to see how much you are, how much influence you can master and how many people are coming to you. I'm just so impressed and I'm so excited to see where it leads. Thank you. It's been both humbling and energetically demanding to now be like speaking with people that I've looked up to the community for years, like you and other really great astrologers to now feel like I am doing similar work and reaching a similar, delivering a similar important message. So I truly appreciate that from um, a fellow cap rising youngin. (laughs) Well, yes, one cap rising to another. And my Leo Stellium sees yours and it's just perfect. And I think you're amazing. Thank you so much for being on here. Where can we find you? All social media and my website is Marin Altman. Pretty easy, like Karen with an M, Marin Altman. If I'm on it, you can search for me unless I blocked you, which I might have missed. If I see some funny business, I just tend to block. So quite a few people may be blocked. That is Saturn Taurus. (laughs) Just block. I love it. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.